You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swing and wide the deep left field. It is gone. It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 160. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, you may have heard of a little trade that happened last week. Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco are now members of the Mets. Talk about their legacy with Cleveland and the return they got with Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez. We'll talk about the state of the team, and of course, we'll answer your questions. Join me for all that and more. I'm Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how are you doing? Hey, I'm great. And you? Oh, going great. My favorite baseball team is doing really good things. It's really great. The Pirates, uh, right? And I remember you saying a while back you were a huge I believe Pirates a Huge fan. Pirates fan. Just a big, big old Bucks I think, fan. I think I talked about it with Jason before you came on, but I actually used to have a Pirates hat when I was little, and then like a clown touched it at like a parade, and then I lost the hat and I cried for like a whole day. So now I hate the Pirates. It's really It turns bad. out it's the Pirates who are the clowns, Matt. It turns <laughs> out that that's, that's, that's the real truth we found here. Not you, nor that clown, but the Pirates. The, the real the clowns were the worst. friends we made along the way. That, yeah, I'm great. I'm trying to think of a good movie I saw this weekend, and I realized I didn't watch any movies this weekend. So sorry, I don't have any good reports for you in Merritt's Movie Corner. Uh, I could I could tap <laughs> into some past viewings. Uh, I finally watched Gone Girl. Really? Just now yeah. watched Gone Girl? Shut up! I don't watch movies a lot. All right? <laughs> Wasn't that great at the beginning? Not to watch it several years later. Uh, you're wrong. I enjoyed it, and you're wrong. I believe you. That's fine. You can't leave Merritt. You know why? Do you, do you know why, why you can't leave Merritt? Why? Yeah. It's time for me. Of course, we serve everybody little uh, little tidbits of information over the plate. Spicy um, meatball. <laughs> this time of year, we're doing classic meatballs where we look at old things, basically, because there's nothing going on. But, uh, Mary, I'll each take yours first because mine's going to kind of segue into our, our next section. So you can start with yours. All right, man. I'm uh, starting a little sub series within the meatball. <laughs> Under, oh, underneath the we're going to have a meatball lore chart pretty soon with <laughs> a hierarchy. and. <laughs> I, need to, I don't know. I just got bored earlier and I started researching like really stupid games uh, and performances in um, in Cleveland baseball history. And, you know, just like weirdly outsized performances. What the hell was going on here? This doesn't make any sense in anyone's context. And so I want, I, I want you to give me your opinion once I explain what I'm talking about here about this game that was pitched by Tom Candiotti back in 1988. Now, Candiotti pitched a complete game. Which normally, when a team, when a player pitches a complete game, he's having a great game. Correct? Typically, if he's going to go nine innings, he's doing pretty well for himself. I would think. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors, but yeah, mostly. If you're okay, well, anyway, away. he he gave up twelve hits and six earned runs. Uh, he threw 151 pitches in those nine innings. <laughs> <Jeez>. now, <laughs> now, Cleveland ended up winning uh, twelve to six, extending their record to. A league best at the time, I believe, fifteen and four in uh, late April. That was that weird year they had where they like were they they were suddenly we were considering them like uh, future contenders before they fell back into the toilet for a couple of years. Um, anyway, what do you think? Would, I, I tried to look into it. Um, Cleveland.com kept on demanding I give them money, and I said no. Cleveland.com, you'll get no money from me. Uh, I don't believe in local journalism. Only blogs and podcasters from Brooklyn is all I care about. That's who I give money to. Uh, give us money. I'm not from Brooklyn. Uh, what do you think was going on in this game? I mean, do you think that the manager was mad at him? Now, to, for a little bit more context, the Mariners scored 
two runs in the first, and then four in the third, and then he shut them out the rest of the game. Uh, the Indians scored two in the first, five in the fourth, four in the fifth, and one in the seventh. Uh, off the back of several different home runs off of from Joe Carter and Jay Bell, uh, among many others. Well, I don't know. What do you think was going on with this? Would you, would you call this a stupid game? He was actually was a negative um, win, probably, win probability added was Candiotti at the time. So interesting stuff, I thought. What do you think? Uh, was it? I'm trying to. I don't know. Was it just like a doubleheader, like two doubleheaders in a row, like two days in a row? Or no, something? I mean, I I can't. I can't see any goddamn reason why this happened. <laughs> why do they just? Did they just forget they had a bullpen? Um, they had a bullpen in 1988. It was still a thing. Uh, I don't know if it was good or not. I'll look it up right now. It was okay. They had a guy named Doug Jones, you know, the vice president from OCP. Uh, <laughs> they had some other players as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, Candiotti was good that year, 328 ERA, uh, 14 and 8, pitched 216 innings. I believe I looked into it, and if this game hadn't have happened, instead of a 328 ERA, he would have had a 294 ERA, I think, my math, if my math is correct. So it did definitely impact him, but just a I don't weird know, When was game. it in the season? Was it like in the middle uh, of the season or towards the end? No, or? April 26th, early oh. in the season. <laughs> Jesus, I, mean, I don't know. The manager was Doc Edwards. Uh, Cleveland was, as I mentioned, 15 and 4 after that win. And they ended at 78 and 84. So they definitely hit a bit of a swoon. I wonder if their starting pitching got tired. That'd be an interesting thing to look into, I suppose. Maybe I'll look into that next week. Anyway, I thought that was a fun, weird, shitty thing. He was a negative impact on a team that ended up on a game that ended up winning and threw 154 pitches, which is the third most recorded by a Cleveland pitcher in history. Um, there you go. <laughs> in a totally normal. Sane game. That's yeah, totally normal. He was, yeah. he was a 5.7 win guy that year, second on the team behind Greg Swindell, another pitcher. Um, you didn't think you'd like dump that kind of game on your worst pitcher, not not literally the second best or... pitcher on your team. Yeah, like right, maybe yeah. John Farrell should have been doing that, or Rich Yet, or Scott Bales, the the wily lefty, or, or Sam Bud... McDowell. I don't care if he didn't play that; he should have been doing it. I mean, Bud like... Black was was a pitcher on that team. He started seven games for God's sake. <laughs> So, you know, anyway, neat stuff, I thought. Kind of a weird yeah. outlier of a game. Um, we'll look into more of these as we move through the uh, offseason. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to cheat for mine in, in several ways. Because uh, one, <laughs> I just wrote a post on. And two, it's not a classic one. It's not a moldy meatball. It's just they're, sort they're of calling him but... Cheat Ball Matt. So here we go. Go ahead. <laughs> so mine is about um, Ahmed Rosario. Maybe you've heard of him. He was a former Mets prospect. He was a top prospect for a while, like number two, number three in baseball. Um, I don't know if you heard about this, but he got traded to the Indians, the Cleveland Indians of all teams, for Francisco well, it, Lindor. It stands to reason this could have no tying to Cleveland so far, though, on account of uh, he has yet to do a single thing. <laughs> Correct. So. Yes, but uh, but last yeah, like last year, like everybody else, he played a shortened season. Um, one, one of the big things about Rosario coming up um, through the minors, and especially after he debuted, when it was clear it was an issue, was pitch selection. Uh, he was just really terrible at it in his rookie year. Second year in 2018, it was still pretty bad. And then he just sort of like peaked in 2019 where he was 100 WRC plus player, like dead average. Um, but with his speed and defense, I mean, he was still like a 2.7 more player. So he was perfectly fine. He hit 15 home runs that year. And then last year in the shortened season, he just tanked again. He was just as bad as rookie year. He kept swinging everything outside of the zone. He, he doesn't swing in the zone either. He's, it's not like Tim Anderson where he swings at everything. He just swings at the wrong pitches. He's just bad at identifying pitches apparently. But I think there's a, a level of hope we can have for him that he wasn't just um, that he didn't just suddenly regress. I think because last year, because it was such a short season, 
um, he saw a huge spike in changeups because the year prior, um, like every other year, he's seen around like 8% changeups against him. Last year was 14%, 14.9 is basically 15% changeups that he saw. And he faced the Marlins, who are like one of the most changeup heavy teams with Pablo Lopez and Sixto Sanchez. So I think looking at Ahmed Rosario, my, my little meatball for him is to not, it's just the changeups. I think it was he, his little fluky thing of seeing a ton of changes up last year. He always hits him really weak. So even if he does manage to square him up and, and swing at the right one, he barely ever hits him well. So with such a weird short season, um, I think that's kind of a thing to point out with Rosario. And sort of a, a similar note too with the, the other player there brought over, um, Andres Jimenez, who kind of a weird thing with him. I was looking at someone in the Let's Go Tribe comments mentioned that his projections, like everything else about him is projected to be way better, except his on-base percentage is like several points lower. And I looked into it. The reason is everything else next year is projected like right along the same percentages as this year, but he got hit four times, which is a, uh. a ton over a full season if you extrapolate it out. And like the only difference that dropped his on base percentage by a bunch is that he is projected to be hit a normal amount of times, not like a Brandon Geyer level. So, um, what if sort of a two for one meatball, but that's another interesting one that when you're when you have these short seasons, these little anomaly things can make a big difference because it's the equivalent of like a month in Major League Baseball, but it was just a couple. Um, it was the full season, which is going to look weird forever because it's going to be on their scorecard or their, um, their rundown of stats. But I think there's little things you can just kind of discount because of the weird stuff that happened last year. And I also too, I mean, and this is just something in general I was thinking about for a while this year. I mean, we just saw so much more use of bullpens. I mean, we didn't really because we watched Cleveland and all they do is <laughs> right, yeah, lean on their starting pitching so much. But more generally, starters are throwing less and less innings. Part of that was... Um, it was more of a, you know, it was more of a sprint than a, than a marathon like usual. And also they just had more players. Like I think that was the first like two or three weeks, whatever it was, you could have 30 players. So it stands to reason they probably just added three more start, um, like relief pitchers and you're going to go to them more often if you're trying to win. Like, like, like I said, it's, there was, a, there was more opportunity to get into the playoffs and there were more slots. And, um, and as you touched on kind of the, the variability of it all, the, all there was a lot more noise. So. I mean, again, I, I, it sounds, it still sounds like Rosario is just a, he does hunting fastball, which is when you don't have good recognition skills. <laughs> well, don't get me wrong. Guess. He absolutely is. <laughs> that oh, is yeah. his and thing. Just, he does not have good picture. It looks very, yeah, it looks very ugly when, um, uh, when you are uh, doing that and, and missing blatantly. But yeah, that's, right, that's, yeah. that's, that's something to think about. Yeah. It, uh, it, it kind of, it goes into our, the again, thing we you, can avoid. You did cheat on this one uh, because this literally happened this year, and I'm very upset with you about this. I was hoping for more garbage about uh, let's pick a random player's name. <laughs> uh, I don't know more. Gar- I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to do that. I'm going to the 1959 uh, Cleveland. I wanted to hear more about what Woody Held was doing. Woody Held uh, or Vic Power? Oh, come on, these are all porn star names. What's going on here? Um, hey, Vic Power, we talked about before. We did, we did. That's true. Yeah, yeah. What a name. <laughs> Uh, Mini Reynoso. Oh, there he is. Rocky oh, yeah. Calavito. Look at that handsome boy. Tito Francona. Any of these other characters? These, these Chaparinos. <laughs> no, no. Ahmed Rosario. That's who I'm going. No, with. no, no. We want to talk about the legend himself, <laughs> Ahmed Rosario. <laughs> yeah, because obviously the, the the big news for Cleveland this week was that uh, they acquired on or Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, um, and two really low level prospects that were drafted like the year before, Isaiah Green and. Um, what is his first name? Wolf is the pitcher um, who I think was the one that was just drafted this year. So we haven't seen much of those two at all. And we won't really until this year, but the other two, Josh obviously Wolf. Uh, Josh Wolf, there you go. Uh, Rosario has been in the league for a little bit. 
he was, like I mentioned, a top prospect who really faded pretty much right when he came up with the Mets. Um, I mean, like right up until his debut, there was the, the fact that he didn't have a lot of power, but like Francisco Lindor, it was thought that he would just sort of turn it on when he hit the majors um, when he would mature a little more. Because the thing with him and Jimenez, they're both really, really young at every level, which is the thing the Indians seem to like a lot when yeah. they're going through prospects. Um, but then you have like Rosario, who was who was young at every level, outperformed, and then he just didn't do well in the majors. But then Jimenez is kind of the opposite. He was he was really good in the lower levels. He kind of hit a brick wall in Double A, and then he was a perfectly average hitter um, in the shortened season last year. But like Rosario being really bad, you can't really take Jimenez being average and assume he's going to be that forever just because it was such a weird shortened season. But I don't know. I guess I, we can start with talking about. Lindor and Carrasco, the the fact that they're gone now and how much that sucks. Because I think we talked about earlier this offseason that we're sort of, we expected Lindor to be gone, but Carrasco was a really shitty line to cross. <laughs> and now yeah, he's traded and they're both kind of gone. I, I don't know. I guess, and, and I don't want to, you know, I'm sure we've all complained to um, spouses who don't want to listen to us about this <laughs> at all enough over the last several days. But it just, it just it confused me, I guess. The only, my, the only comment I really have on it is beyond this sucks and I really liked watching Cookie Pitch was I just feel like they could have gotten more for, in two separate deals than lumping it all into one thing only because. Oh, yeah. And it just sucks because we have no leg to stand on when it comes to questioning the Cleveland front office when they make deals because they almost invariably come out ahead. And it just – but with this one, you're just like, how the fuck are they going to come out ahead on this one? <laughs> I mean, and this is one where – it felt the yeah. most like a salary dump over everything. Right, exactly. Which is just, you know, shitty. And my my, my overall assumption is just that the ownership is um, cutting liabilities as much as possible in advance of a sale to make it a more uh, attractive sale. And then my dad brought up them moving to Nashville, which I was like, all right, I don't fuck Nashville. <laughs> of all the places. I, I, that one I, I mean, there is a, a push to get a team there, but I, I would I know, assume I just, expansion before somebody moves. But I know. Well, I don't know. Hey, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was the entire... Um, theme or you know storyline or whatever inciting incident in everyone's favorite movie major league so i don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah gotta keep that moving we, we've always got you, there's always got ever since they moved a team to tampa there's always got to be that place that people threaten to move to you know because like the oh yeah it's been nashville forever now. the white Sox, um they, they threatened to move to tampa for before they got their new their beautiful new park back in 1990 but it's hard to yeah, imagine people threatening to go to tampa now with i know right how many people you know, attend those games like well, you, you they, I don't know, they, this is completely off topic. They, they always come out with those sweet like, like mock-ups of what the new stadiums go like. It's going to be right on the water. It's going to look oh, like yeah. a fucking <laughs> sailboat or something. It's going to get there big, and just the dumpster inside. Yeah, it's just like, this is trash. This is a falling <laughs> over orb. What's going on here? This is bad. This is no good. There's great stadiums around there. I, I, you know, I went, oh, I went yeah. there for my bachelor party, and I had, some, had, had, a couple, had a blast down there going to minor league games, but no major league for me, thanks. Yeah, uh, but anyway, go, go back to that trade. You know, it sucks just because you feel like they could have gotten something in a different deal because everyone needs pitching and everyone needs a top. I don't know what do you want to call it, twenty-five pitcher in baseball. The Lindor thing sucks, but I just you know you kind of we, we kind of made. Our, I feel like I made my piece with that ages ago. Oh yeah, yeah I wasn't mad about that at all when it happened. I was I was mad about the Carrasco being tacked yeah. on. Yeah, it, it was also the fact like that throwing like it, it should have yeah. been. Like they were going to throw in a pitcher. It should have been like. I don't know who sucks. Uh, someone, I don't know, some, some relief from <laughs> Phil, Phil Maton or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, somebody. But it, it felt like just a, I don't know. He wasn't, what would they have gotten in this trade if they didn't include him? I can't imagine the, the Mets would have said no, trading those four players for Francisco Lindor. It, 
I don't know. It feels like I yeah, don't know. Yeah, who it's volunteered like Carrasco? Yeah, how'd that right, come yeah. up? What like, son of a bitch in the front office? <laughs> what the hell? And it's also because he was, I mean, he's literally weeks away from getting his 10 to 5 rights, which is 10 years in the league, uh, or 10 years of service time, 5 with the same team, and then you can veto a trade anywhere. So he was, he's literally weeks of service time away from He would have got it in spring training, and they traded him right before that, which just sucks. That's like one of the things you shoot for as a player if you're on the same team forever, is that you have control over basically where, where you can spend here. the end of career, yeah, because you can yeah. sign as a free agent, veto trades, but... Because at this point, he's not going to spend more than three years in any single place. Like, it's just, I just, I don't see that happening. Right. Yeah. At all. He's already, what, 32 or whatever it is. I mean, he'll, he's, he'll be with the Mets until, I'm just pulling up this shit right now. Uh, he's not 22. No, sir. He's 33. He's going to be 34 this year. And, like, he's, his contract is up 2023. Uh, they probably won't resign him. And by then, he's going to be 36 anyway. So, yeah, but then it's, it's whatever. But, yeah. I wouldn't have minded him riding out, riding it out in Cleveland. I mean, like, I, I guess maybe I'm excited for Cal Quantrill. I think he's going to be fun to watch. But um, I, I would assume he'd take over the last spot in the rotation. Now you got Bieber. Was it Bieber? Please, Savali, McKenzie. I'd assume, and then um, like Quantrill, unless McKenzie goes to the bullpen or something. But um, it's just crazy that they still have a good rotation after trading Carrasco. It would have been better with him, but I think it's it's still crazy good without him. But um, but yeah, I, I think. And even like their goodbye messages, I want to make it clear I don't fault Lindor for any of this, but I don't know if you saw the difference between their two. Um, Lindor just had a very clearly pre-produced um, like highlight reel of his plays in Cleveland that his message was, much love Cleveland, and that was like it. <laughs> then Carlos Carrasco wrote this big, long paragraph mm-hmm. about how much he loved the city. Like I've never felt, I think we mentioned this before too, that like Lindor is, is just a superstar, and there's like superstars everywhere, but like Carrasco felt like a Cleveland thing right. like Jose Ramirez feels the same way but it feels like more Lindor is baseball's superstar than Cleveland's superstar it always felt like that to me like I was really happy to have him in Cleveland I'm glad we got to watch him close for so long but I feel like he's always just a, a, a baseball treasure and Carrasco was supposed to be ours and like Jose Ramirez is but now they're both I mean not both well we can talk about the fact that Jose Ramirez let's, is not, let's, not, let's not talk about that this week man. <laughs> but Carrasco <laughs> is gone but. no like you said I agree like it's being a Cleveland fan, you don't really get a long time with super duper stars. So you find things about players that you like and, uh, if you said, make them your own. I mean, it just so happens that Jose Ramirez has grown up into a legitimate you know, superstar in his own right. I mean, arguably over the last couple of years, probably better even than, um, than Lindor, but he's just not quite as charismatic, I guess. I don't know. I think he's charismatic. I think he's fucking, I think he's awesome. Quite honestly, I think he's the coolest. Oh yeah, uh, I think he's Carrasco, a better player yeah. too. Like he's he's a better on field and off player than Lindor. As much as I love Lindor, I think Jose Ramirez is probably a better overall player, just given how how well he hits. But but then, and then um, Carrasco was he was never the best he was never the best pitcher. But there was always that especially young a couple years ago, like it felt like if it all clicked at once, he'd be a, he could win a Cy Young. Like he was in lockstep with, or just like a step behind like Kluber as being the second best pitcher on the team and all this sort of a thing and this wonderful luxury we had and this, you know, everyone was like, oh man, Kluber's so good and Bauer is so potential ridden. And then we're always like, yo, yo, motherfuckers don't even know about Carrasco. And it was cool. But now he's gone and it sucks. <laughs> and then now he's just like the tacked on guy on the trade too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, if he, he's, like he, he's throwing? What the, what's going on here? Come on. Like, it's funny how <laughs> twice now in his career he's been traded and both times he was a throw in. So that's, that's kind of funny. So what I'm <laughs> saying I think is he I was he, he was the main on. person in the other trade, but yeah. no, he was not. He was not, no. The other guy was. He was and the Cliff Lee trade. Yeah, he was. He was not. No, he was not. He was. He was one hundred percent. He was not. He was years away from the from the uh, 
majors. The other guy was totally the, the focus. He just couldn't Who was the other guy? Stay healthy. Aaron Knapp? <laughs> I want to no. say. Well, he was like the equivalent of he was like their sucks, top. But... He was one of their top pitching prospects at the time. Like, Carrasco was, the... was a prospect, though. It wasn't like a Michael Brantley thing where he was just a throw-in. He was a little oh, more. I, yeah, sure, but he but he was like deep down in the minors. Like it, he wasn't anything. This is the most contentious conversation we've ever had. Because like, <laughs> I... you're wrong, Merritt. Um, for let's see, was it Jason Knapp? Yeah, Jason Knapp was definitely the. Yeah, well, I remember Jason, and they got Lou Marson. That's. Hall of Famer Lou Marson. They got I saw him hit his only home run in his career, so I was, I was a person <laughs> for that one. I, I felt really special about that one. <laughs> now, Matt, uh, Jason Stark, when he wrote about the trade, I want to note that he said Carlos Carrasco first and then Jason Knapp. Because Carrasco yeah. was in AAA at the trade and then Knapp was in single A. And Lou Marson, who he said was the heir apparent to Victor Martinez. Of course. <laughs> that was Jack. Well, right? yeah, <laughs> heir apparent to Kelly Shopik. That's what he was. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I take that back. I did not see him hit his first career home run. I saw him hit his second career home run. Yeah, oh. it was it was two years later, uh, but it still happened, and I was still happy about it. First, <laughs> first in Cleveland. So there you go. Yeah. Did Nappy even ever do anything? I know we're getting off topic again, but no, no, he right? he never he never got out of the minors. He just always hurt and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean he was good. Like the numbers were were fun, and you just struck everyone out and threw hard. But then it was just like, no, yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I mean, it's what it is. It's. Him and Adam Miller, man. There's a name yeah. people don't remember. I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of... Be... <laughs> there's Matt Laporta. It's, there's a lot... I guess there's Bradley Zimmer's word accounts, but there's a lot fewer just At least Matt total Laporta busts played in the lately. majors. I mean, yeah. uh, Adam Miller always had blister problems and he disappeared. I'll, I'll never forget him. He was like, oh, his blisters are far popping up again. Like, shit. He's oozing all hands. over the baseball again. Get him out of here. Why don't you just... You know, I mean, come on. Catcher saying yeah. Guys like... Uh, what's his name? Jorge Posada never have... Blister problems. Yeah, why can't you be Jorge Posada? What's wrong with why you? can't you be like Jorge Posada? Be on your hands. Come on now. It's good for you. Um, now, but yeah. I mean, looking at what the Indians got back from it, it's, I mean, the, the other two, Green and Wolf, are not going to contribute to anything for a long time. But, I mean, Rosario and Jimenez, they're going to be up there right away. I thought it was interesting that. That would be the um, middle infield for the team, right? Yeah, I probably. Mean, that's the yeah. whole middle infield, yeah. It's yeah. also weird they didn't get a, a single outfielder in this deal. I would assume they want to move one of them to the outfield, maybe. I think Jimenez <laughs> has played the outfield in the minors, and Rosario was there like four innings last year when it was clear he wasn't going to be the shortstop. But um, I, I would assume, I think th- their plan just seems to be, unless they're just absolutely just hate outfielders, it's like to just grab a bunch of athletic middle infielders and convert them whenever they can, because that's what they have. Um in their their minor leagues, it's it's all infielders. They just keep getting more and more. It's like they see something they can just convert. Like they don't feel that it matters that you play outfield a whole lot. But I, I guess we'll see how that works out. Because that's what they're doing. Nolan Jones, he was a third baseman, and now he's going to be probably a left fielder. But um, I mean, as far as the roster why, next year, why do you think they're going to move one of these guys to the outfield? I mean, they don't have a second baseman, and they don't have a shortstop. I mean, they don't have outfielders. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have bad outfielders. They they literally have yeah. no infielders. Like they have nothing there right now. They have an outfield. I'll I'll describe it to you. It's uh... <laughs> please don't. Okay, I, all right, that's fine. I don't really want to talk about it anyway. It makes you sad. <laughs> I mean, they do have Yu Chang that can play at second base. So it's the same argument as the outfield that it's it's still bad, but it's still there. I mean, Naylor's going to be there, and they got Greg. No, Greg Allen. They have what's his name? Their center fielder. You know, um, Greg Allen, uh, Oscar Mercado. Oscar Mercado, and then they have, oh, fuck, who's the other guy? <laughs> There's Bradley's. So what Roster Resource has, which is Fangraphs thing, um, they have it as Josh Naylor in left field uh, to start, obviously, because they're not going to call up Nolan Jones right away. But 
Um, it's Naylor, Bradley Zimmer, and then Daniel Johnson, which seems really optimistic for Zimmer. But they have a lot Mercado, of holes in this team, Matt. I just realized oh, there's man. a couple. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they sort of made some more too by trading their best shortstop. And uh, one I never of the really thought about it until just now. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm just looking at it's, the... this is not a good looking lineup if you look. So just to run down what roster resource has, which of course is not what it's going to land at, but they have Jimenez, Naylor, Ramirez, Reyes, Bowers, which that's something. <laughs> Jake Bowers at first base, Roberto Perez, Daniel Johnson, Rosario Zimmer. Um, that is ugly. That's I, I'm sure it won't look quite like that, and hopefully, very quickly, Nolan Jones will come up. But Run they got to add something, right? Like we can't be looking I at can't. this. I don't know. <laughs> can't we? <laughs> That's I don't know, man. I mean, for I like mean, the third year in a row, Chris Antonetti did say that they're going to reinvest the savings. So maybe this is the one. Maybe they're going to get a new whirlpool. <laughs> Maybe they're going to get more ping pong. Maybe this is the year. I don't know. Maybe Who this is the, the ping pong table they get? Maybe they're going to flip uh, everyone they got in this trade for Trevor Story. I don't know. Something weird <laughs> like that. That would be a strange maneuver. I, mean, I think the two the... most likely like free agents are what Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson are the outfielders. But again, those cost money, Merritt. We don't have that. we got to buy whirlpools. We can't be buying players. Does Jock Peterson really cost that much money, though? I mean, probably. What is that much point. money? I, I, I guess when you're when you're worried about twelve million dollars, <laughs> I, I, I guess then it is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. I, I just I realized I was looking at the, the baseball reference team from 2020. I realized how many of these people just aren't on the team anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh damn! All these guys. Are like, let's see. Oh, the yeah, first deep. baseman, second baseman, shortstop, center fielder, right fielder that are listed as their most their highest played people are all gone. Well, how uh, many do you think Santana's from... is gone? Sandy Leone is gone. Bradley Zimmer sucks. Mike Freeman's gone. Greg Allen's gone. Bo Taylor. When did Bo Taylor? Oh yeah, yeah he's Bo still Taylor. here. He's still on the forty man roster. Yeah. Okay. Yu Chang. This is the year, baby. Yu Chang is back. <laughs> Finally. Year. Um, I mean, he does have a chance. Been... Wasn't it was Tito? Was it this year or is last year already blending in? Where he said he wanted to give Yu Chang a chance. I can't remember anymore. But I mean, he could be a second baseman if they're going to move Jimenez in the outfield or something. But. I, I do agree with you. I think they're probably going to be the two infielders, but yeah, just because I'm, I'm just a, and the numbers aren't very, you know, we don't have a lot of sample size on it. But Jimenez does rate very highly defensively as a shortstop, so that's a positive at least. And um, it's hard to rate high as a shortstop when you're playing on the Mets because their infield defense <laughs> as a whole wasn't very good, and so like you're having, you're being asked to do more. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so. It sucks again, but it's going to be ugly. Run prevention is once again the name of the game, which is depressing. Let me tell you, <laughs> we're really counting on a breakout year from, I guess, Jake Bowers Everybody. and Nolan Jones and Daniel Johnson. I suppose <laughs> this team is going to be so young, dude. I don't know. I'm also getting, I'm, I'm getting that that weird feeling I had back in 2013 when I was excited about a bunch of young guns trying their trying their darndest in baseball. That is the other thing, though. Like, it's fun watching the young guys. It's instead of like bringing in Jock Peterson or whatever. If they're like, if they weren't on the the end of just dismantling everything, this would be probably a fun. This would be a fun 2015 team to watch with the where the Indians were then. Right. Like, if we were you know there just, before everything happened, this would be a fun team. But I, I just realized something that we keep on monkeys pawing ourselves because a couple <laughs> years ago we were like, I just wish the games were more exciting and the, you know they were more of a fight. And then and then the Twins got really good. We're like, ah, damn. And now we're like. You know, remember the old days where we just watched all those young prospects come and get to write out of, write about neat new things coming up. Those were fun days, huh? And then they're like, okay, <laughs> no, 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 not this way, please, no. And so that's <laughs> that is what is happening. All the players are gone. 
Now, this team is going to be predominantly under 25. Like, there's going to be a tremendous oh, yeah. number of people under uh, on in the or in the lineup rather between the ages of like well, definitely under 26. Outside of Jose Ramirez and Perez and is Bradley Luplo, Zimmer 26? I guess um, Bradley Zimmer is still 20. He's 27. Naylor's 23. I mean, Daniel Johnson's 24. This team's going to Yu Chang's still only 24. Mercado's 25. The old salt that he is. I mean, it does have the chance if all these guys like click and they all hit at the same time. It That's seems like scary. it could be. Yes. <laughs> Got to have at least yes. a little bit of optimism, right? Like this is the kind of team where if it does happen, it's like 2016 all over again, where it's just a fun young team that comes up together and does a bunch of I would say more 2014. Um, if, I, if I was going to pick a recent season where it feels like if things start clicking together, then it's going to be awesome. Because like then we were talking about like things like Michael Brantley exploding out of nowhere and becoming an MVP candidate. Yeah, or uh, any all the different things that happened in 2014 were really exciting that led mm-hmm. them to get into the playoffs. Uh, so no, you know, I mean you're right. Like if they can actually get any of their young players to actually perform, then that's actually exciting. Mm-hmm. And I mean they're not going to allow a lot of runs. Is the thing they're going to take runs off the board defensively because they're still good at that, especially in the infield. Uh, Rosario is very good. Again, based on the numbers, Jimenez is very very good. Um, Jose Ramirez, we've been watching for years now. We know how good he is. They're going to get more athletic at first, if they, especially if they move um, Bowers there. And and Roberto Perez probably I – mean, he probably wins five games. I'll be honest with you. I think he wins by himself five games oh, yeah. a year for this team. Yeah. Like, I, I think he is a – if we could actually chart it correctly, I think he is an eight-win-a-year player overall, even despite hitting 165. Like, <laughs> he's just – he's so tremendous behind the play and defensively. I just – he's so – yeah, they're going to win games defensively as long as they can get a couple of gloves in the outfield. I think Do you know who we're missing here, though, Merritt? Who we're missing talking about? A first baseman. Um, neither of us mentioned him yet. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Fred Mil Reyes exists. No, not Fred Mil Reyes. We mentioned him. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Technically. Woo! Bobby Bradley. Oh, right. The way less exciting. The big dingers, though, Merritt. Come on. He's got to hit him eventually, right? I mean, Fred Mil Reyes is our big digger boy. We already have a big digger boy, and he's only 24. <laughs> I want two big digger boys. I don't want Jake Bowers. I want all these big, big digger, digger boys. boys. <laughs> I mean, is Bobby Bradley, like, is he just done? If Jake Bowers is the opening day first baseman, I mean, like, what chances Bobby Bradley have to stick around in Cleveland? And it sucks if, because of what happened in 2020 with not, not being able to play, right? right? Yeah. Like, just in general. So maybe he's good again. I don't know. There's, It's weird to say there's a lot riding on spring training because, like, literally we've been able to write down most of the roster since about 2014. Like, you look at the depth chart and you know starter and probably lead backup since then. Uh, without a few moving parts. But now we do not have any of that because, as I said before, five of the nine batting order slots of most play players is gone. So maybe you're right. Maybe – I mean, this is his chance. I'm 100% in on it, man. I mean, if if he can hit 230 with a 340 on base percentage and just basically become – it feels weird to say um, a poor man's – who's your favorite player in the Rangers? Joey Gallo? Joey Gallo, poor man's oh Joey boy. Gallo Joey of some Gallo. kind. I mean, you know, not someone like something more like what he did in, I would say 2018 would be a batting line that I'd be okay with seeing from him 206, 312, 498 with 40 home runs. I'll take it, man. 200 and 200 some odd strikeouts, 75 walks. I mean, and then I can start I mean, writing articles. He's going like, to strike out a ton. Yeah. If he could just walk five more times, man, we're talking <laughs> about a superstar here. I love those articles. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the team's going to be frustrating as hell, but don't get me wrong. It's tremendous content. We're going to have so much random little things to talk about. And then, So here's a, here's a fun thing. Uh, Joey Gallo 
uh, he didn't actually start playing in any real sense until 2017 when he was 23 years old. Now, how old is our new hero, Bobby Bradley? 23. Uh, he's 24, actually. He'll be 25 this year. But still, maybe just because you had to take a year off, maybe he'll be good now and extra beefy, and this will be his year. So I'd be okay with that. You know, Just a, just a big dinger boy. The kind, the kind of player that upsets old school people because like, he's always striking out. He's hitting 200. <laughs> he's hitting 198. Oh, <laughs> there, hell yeah, he is. <laughs> there we go, baby. But do you remember that one home run that he hit? It's, it was literally only one, but good lord, he blessed him that thing. Oh, it was, it was tremendous, strange. absolutely tremendous. I mean, he should just do what I do when I'm, when I'm playing MLB the show poorly, <laughs> just swing at every single pitch, and you'll connect forty times probably. <laughs> I don't know, right? And <laughs> one of those is going to go really far, really fast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you'll probably pull a few really foul, like that one foul ball that uh, Mike Napoli had in what was that the playoffs in the World Series that basically hit out of the stadium but the wrong way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, James I don't know. just I'm, did his thing. Anyway, sorry, I missed uh, missed Jeopardy tonight. Sadly, I was busy prepping hard for this podcast <laughs> by watching Jeopardy and Ken Jennings. I was not watching Jeopardy. I was working, Matt. Oh. I was working hard. All right, <laughs> very very hard. Just busting my bum. And we, we kind of did just sort of drift into, I guess, the state of the team. But we kind of did. But I mean, I guess yeah. my overall take on the on the on what came back, and and, and I think this is just how we have to be because it sucks. I'm pissed because of the emotional thing of. What the fuck are we rooting for here? Laundry? Yes. Obviously, that's true. Rooting for a, a bunch of Ivy League. <laughs> so I, I, I read The Defector, uh, all the guys from um, Deadspin. Yeah. And uh, they, they started their own website, and I, I paid them money for some reason. I'm actually paying for news, Matt. Look at me. Uh, but Ray Ratto writes for them, and he was like, uh, he referred to like, general managers up as like, Ivy League B students. I thought that was pretty funny. Because <laughs> like, they can't get a job at like Blackstone or something like that. <laughs> so but, uh, yeah. baseball team. We're, we're just um, yeah, we're just rooting for these Ivy League B students to to make the right move over and over and keep on spinning the wheel until so it comes up head or whatever red more often than not. And I guess that's what we're hoping for with basically this trade. Of course, I'm going to miss Francisco Lindor. He made some of the best plays I've ever seen. But benefiting me personally, Merritt Rolfing. He's coming to Washington, D.C. like nine times next year. And I have a good friend who lives in New York City. And I can just drive out there, stay at his place, and go to Mets games. So I can see him whenever I want now. Time was, I couldn't because he played in Cleveland. And I don't live anywhere near Cleveland. So here's hoping for a, uh, what do you call it, a vaccine. And then I can go and see some baseball. <laughs> a vaccine and a good road trip, and I'm good to go. There you go. There we go, baby. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the story of my life or something. And I get to watch them on, uh, I guess not cable, because I don't, I, don't, I don't get that channel, I don't think, on YouTube TV, but SN- I could technically SNY? watch them in my, yeah, SNY, which is a really good broadcast, by the way. Like, I love our weird Rick Manning son, but oh, top five. SNY is really good. They're, they're actually good, not not not, not the weird. <laughs> not Rick Manning good, where it's just kind of yeah. like our own, our, we love him because he's weird and probably not good. They're actually like, weird, legitimately good. Our weird dumb uncle. <laughs> and of course... <laughs> Matt, who we also love, I love Matt Underwood. Also, <laughs> we do. He followed me on Twitter too. So now we're I know. Gonna, yeah, we, yeah, we're gonna we're yeah. gonna indoctrinate him. <laughs> just start talking about what was the thing we said? Like, just start messing up. Josh Naylor jumps over a ditch. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Josh Naylor's huge ditch that he used to jump over to practice. <laughs> well, I'll just keep mentioning that on Twitter and just hope that Matt Underwood mentions it on there someday. <laughs> he just can't remember where he saw it, but he knows. Like. <laughs> Josh Naylor jumps over a huge ditch in his backyard. Yes, he does. <laughs> there you go. I can't, man. I miss baseball. I'm going to hear Rick Manning say, I know. Yes, he does. There it is. 
I, I want to see the Indians with Rick Manning do uh, the like the Nickelodeon broadcast that uh, that they did for the playoff game. I did not Bears watch that. Sense. You're not a Nickelodeon, so I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what ref- I don't. I don't get your references. <laughs> well, they had. So I mean, obviously, like the weird graphics, there was a slime and all that. But they also had somebody who was just like, I guess, a star from a Nickelodeon show who she never saw a baseball game. I guess because she was acting as what do you call that in the story where like you're the the person who asks questions so you get the um why am I blanking not, on that it's, term? It's not Mary Sue. No, it's, not Mary um, Sue. Like the kind of it's like you're the eyes of the audience, basically. Right. You're yeah. the, you're, yeah, you're the eyes was, of the reader. Yeah. But you're you're the stand-in for the reader or something like that in a, in a story or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she was doing stuff like, like when they threw a fly, like why they do that, and then um, Nate Burleson explained oh, it. But fun. I want to see like, yeah, and there was slime, and that was cool. But I want to see that with Rick Manning and Matt Underwood in the booth, and just <laughs> some like twelve-year-old superstar Nickelodeon trying to talk to Rick Manning. He's like, "Why don't you know what a fly ball is?" Like, it's a fly ball. It's a can of corn. What are you talking about? <laughs> just leaves it to the third inning. <laughs> Young Sheldon comes on the screen. He just gives up and just walks out. Hell yeah, he's I done. Love this idea. I want to see Rick yes. Manning get slimed. That's really all it is. Um, no, his yeah. beautiful hair, Matt, and his teeth, <laughs> his shining teeth. It would slam. It, he'd be completely green, and then his teeth would just glow through it, and then mm-hmm. it would slide off his hair. What are you talking about, Mary? There's nothing that's, that's true. That. Yeah, he, he, it's he, like a duck. He's, <laughs> he's <laughs> what do you call that when the water doesn't affect it? But that's hydrophobic. There you go. I can't remember any words today, but hydrophobic is the one. I was Not me. About. I know all the words. <laughs> but as for um, our our favorite Cleveland baseball team, the the state of that they're in is what the last thing we'll talk about is. It's not great. <laughs> no. I think it's – I always have to use the caveat that it's not terrible either. They're not, like, completely void of talent. But I always had to, like, give a little asterisk that they shouldn't be here if they were willing to invest money. But without that, they're still a pretty talented team. They're still going to be a winning team. They could still probably get in the playoffs. But this is definitely a retooling year. And I think if you look at, like, where all these prospects are, the the ones that we've been talking about for years now where they've been down lower in the minors, I mean, that includes Nolan Jones for a long time, but, like, um, George Valera and – uh, Gabriel Arias, who they just got last year, but like all these guys are finally to the point where maybe next year or the year after they can start debuting. So I really think we're at a point where this year is just going to be sort of a down retooling year, not quite a full rebuild. And the year after that is going to be where they can start to compete again. I, it just sucks. We, I don't think we have to have this year if they were willing to put any money into it. But even without it, I think we're only like a year or two away from something resembling like a front running team. Again. I don't think it'd be a front runner this year at all. This is this is the epitome of just hope you get in and see what happens. <laughs> it was it was that way for a couple of years, but they were also really good. And this year, it is just literally, good lord, sneak in there and hope you get hot. But no, yeah, exactly. And you look, like you look at the teams in their division in particular. Um, the Twins are still good, although I don't know if they're really making the moves to push the envelope at all. You know, like they may lose Nelson Cruz this year. Um, a couple of you know, I mean, they're not. They're they're not separating themselves, and the I guess you could say the White Sox are starting to with some of the moves that they've made, but like they even they aren't really they have gaps all over their lineup as well. They're, they're turning into their their own selves from a decade ago, essentially, where it was just three or four great players and a bunch of garbage. Uh, they don't even have Chris Sale. They're like they have their Chris Sale now is Lucas Giolito, who's good, but he's not Chris Sale good. Um, so it's like Cleveland definitely still has a chance to win. I mean, the rotation, you might you touched it before, is going to be great. The bullpen's going to be better, probably. It's definitely a team built better for the the slog as opposed to the sprint just because they'll be able to take uh, win, you know, runs away and win a couple of games on the margins here and there, and they'll, they'll lose, you know, a bunch. I mean, a tremendous amount of games. Uh, maybe not tremendous. They'll probably lose 75 games at least, 80 games. 
80, 75 games. I'm comfortable saying they'll win 87 games. <laughs> I, mean, I think they're going to be a winning team. I think it's going to be closer oh, than no, that's should the thing. be they're, by any means. Just by... the, their problem, I mean, problem, if you want to call it that, is just that they've developed the thing so well that keeps you in games all season because it's, it's start, their starting pitching is just too good. Like They're going to win three out of every five days on average probably like you just kind of if you want to rolling it out like you just odds are their their pitcher is going to be better than yours uh, i mean you know obviously sometimes they'll run into a savale versus i don't know who's an ace these days who's even good at pitching um whatever giolito game giolito will throw a one-hit shutout savale will give up four runs and we'll be like this sucks again god <laughs> damn it and they'll lose you know they'll, they'll lose a ton of games Three to two and four to one, and uh, they win a lot of games three to two and one to nothing, and um, and we'll hope for that we'll hope that some of the young guys break out. Like you said, it's a retooling year. I mean, I'm I've been wondering about like reinvestment looks like what I guess they were paying what seventy million dollars a year or seventy million dollars last year in, in terms of payroll, and what is a good number? And it, let me ask you that. Well, what is a good number for a, for a major league payroll? Is it over a hundred million dollars now? Do you think that they should be spending a hundred million dollars oh, yeah. or more a year? I mean, like okay. where they were a couple of years ago, like what was it? A hundred, they were 130, 140 million, right? Like somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. At the one, least yeah. that should be your yeah. quote unquote small market is paying that. I think 2019, they were $107 million or something like that. And I think, yeah. I think you're right. I think that's the number where they should be. And like, if anyone wants to say like, well, they can't afford Lindor, like what they're going to, pay him $30 million and the rest of the team $70 million combined. Like, yes, that's what they're going to do. That's the whole point of signing <laughs> people to have to early right. contracts. I did with, with Ramirez and then having guys under rookie control. So you can do that exact thing. Like that's the exact answer. And they just can't do that. I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or beforehand, but I just, I, I still think it's, um, it's just the front, it's the ownership trying to remove any long-term outlays of cash. So that they're more attractive purchase. I mean, yeah. The team's still worth a billion dollars, and every contract that's if they sign Lindor to a you know a three hundred million dollar contract over ten years, that is if anything less attractive to a potential buyer because it's it's a liability that they have to worry about ten years down the road. So, yeah, um, I don't know if you saw it today, but there was um, Paul Hoynes was talking about uh, uh, like Lindor at his Mets press conference and the stuff Lindor said. It was basically what Lindor said was he didn't think Cleveland had the resources or that they were they didn't say they had the resources. It was nice to be in a place that has the resources to potentially resign him. But um, Hoynes sort of just dropped a bomb in the middle of it and said that the Indians offered between two hundred twenty-five and two hundred fifty million, but Lindor wanted three hundred fifty million. We haven't gotten like that specific amount for from anybody. Like Terry Pluto has said, it was like a hundred million apart, but we got that exact number. So. It's either like the Indians, they think they have that much to spend over the next 10 years or whatever, or they knew Lindor wouldn't accept it and they just didn't want to look like they weren't trying. I don't know which one it is, but if it's the former, then in theory, they have like $25 million a year that they're planning to spend, which would be cool, which is, I mean, whether that's re-signing, or like extending Shane Bieber or um, Jose Ramirez, but whatever it is, I mean, they they seem like they might have it. I just don't know if, if they intended to actually pay that or not. No, and, that, and that's, and I, and I will say that, I mean, that's, that's a normal. I, I don't know. I mean, he's worth more than that, and I think he deserves more than that. It's just I don't think he was willing to accept that anyway. I think. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe they have a quarter billion dollars to blow on a single player, but it's got to be the right player, and he was the right player to do it. I mean, I don't know if they're going to try that with Jose Ramirez too. He'll be a little bit old by then, but yeah. Um, but I, I guess yeah, the like thing is, like, did they actually have it though, or did they think he just they just knew he wouldn't accept it, and they didn't want to look like they weren't trying. Like they just said like, Oh, we're, we're going to offer him this. And it's clearly way too low. And then maybe Lindor was insulted by that at some level. And that's why 
he had such I a just, short goodbye message, but that's, that's kind that's of inferring a like, lot. Like, like I just uh, we were talking about this on the Slack the other day. I, I didn't really put together the fact that they're making basically a hundred million dollars before they sell a single ticket. I mean, yeah. that's crazy. The fact that I mean, and they have more expenses than just the players. Obviously, they have to pay the lease on the park and they have to pay the other people who work there. And but how, how much can that cost? Twenty five million dollars? Probably not even that much. I have no idea. Um, and they haven't sold a single ticket, but at the same time, like, and so you know, I mean, obviously they're playing it that close to the vest. That sucks ass, and they shouldn't own the team in the first place. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I actually know. saw I, that like they're using it to actually generate revenue, which is probably a thing that sucks. That's not like Steve Cohen, where it's just it's a toy for him. This is what how they actually make money, which is seems right. like a terrible idea, and it's terrible for everybody involved. For them, if this is how they're trying to make a living, and for us, because we have to watch them. Right, and I work think, their and finances. That's, like, that's just where, yeah, yeah, we have to worry about what, what, what TurboTax <laughs> yeah. comes back for them. It's like, oh, well, I hope they get their stimulus. Oh, no. <laughs> they really need that $2,000 check, let me tell you, man. Hope Otherwise, Tesla investments screwed. are paying off soon. Yeah, right, yeah. Well, good, yeah good thing I invested in, uh, in, in, in Litecoin. Did you say Bitcoin? <laughs> no, Litecoin. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, there, there goes Carrasco and Lindor. So, yeah, no, it just, it's... Yeah. It'd be cool if they could afford a $125 million payroll. Something that's not even huge in the scheme of the game itself. Uh, that's about average. Probably below average yeah. at this point. But that's just not where this team in particular stands. Like There's this there's this certain underclass in, a, in, way, in, a, in one way or other of, of teams. And Cleveland happens to be one of them. Um, because as you put it, as you, as, you, as you said, they are owned by a group of people who need... Who need this to make their payment? Who to afford their house? I assume. I don't even know. You know, like, like I almost would prefer an owner like the Rockies have, where he's rich as ass, but he just is, you know, bad. He's just shitty and doesn't want to spend money or something, um, or the, you know, whatever. Who I don't know. Just some team who, are, at least I know they have like the A's. You know, at least I know they have money. He's just being a jerk. Like it's it's almost sad that the Indians owners are just like, sorry guys, we just. I can't make rent this month. <laughs> we got to shut a couple outfielders here. We can't afford it. Yeah, we got to. We're, we're, we're cutting out dollar dog night. Sorry. <laughs> we, can, we can't afford it. Like, it's now $2 dog night. We need the money. <laughs> They're hot dog. We're just doing it for, for, we, we got it. I'm sorry, guys. First thousand hot dogs are a dollar. After that, they're going up to two. Gee whiz. So, um, yeah, that's like you said, that's that's kind of where the state of the team is. They just, they, they, they do everything right until the fact where they have to spend the money. Yeah. And, I don't know. Just it, lowballing a Francisco Lindor of all people is not going to work. He's not going to play for $25 million a year. That is life-changing. That is 10 times what life-changing money would be to me. But at the same time, uh, he's worth more than that. And he 